Now let's give our attention to the Word of God, shall we, as we continue a series in the book of Deuteronomy, which I have said is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and uh, we'll pray for God's help. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer, and let all his people say, For years, I have been amused by children's letters to God. I wish that I had collected and published them, because somebody did, and his book is now in its third edition and has sold over a million copies. They've even made an off-Broadway musical based on the book, Children's Letters to God. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, uh, I guess. Well, here are a few examples in which young children ask God questions. Can you make me a little brother? I want someone to boss around. Um, dear God, my turtle died. Is she with you? If so, she likes lettuce. Somebody writes, there isn't school in heaven, is there? Someone writes, Dear God, can you change the taste of asparagus? Oh, I could give you multiple examples. I'll just end with one more. God, is it hard to love everybody in the world? There's just four in my family, and I can't do it. <laughs> Grown-ups ask questions, too. Ask God questions, usually more serious. God, why did my friend Dave Price, arguably the best young man to come out of our church youth group, have to be struck by a truck and killed at the age of 17? Doesn't make any sense. Or why, God, if you are someday going to instantaneously make all of us your children just like Jesus, why don't you do that now? Or, God, how does the cancer death of an eight-year-old bring you glory? Or, God, why did you let the snake in the Garden of Eden? Or, God, if you were going to give us an infallible Bible, why didn't you also give us an infallible interpreter? so that we didn't have millions of Christians who all agree that the Bible is our authority, but disagree on the role of women in the church and whether salvation can be lost or not, and the forms of church government, and pacifism versus just war, and eternal security, and predestination, and free will, and speaking of which, how do you reconcile those two? Our text does not answer questions like that, but it does address questions like that. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. That's our text. 
It's also the sermon in one sentence. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. <laughs> I've heard that some Christians keep a Deuteronomy 29.29 file. I don't know if it's a literal file folder, but if you had one, I wonder what questions you would put in your Deuteronomy 29.29 folder. Some things God has chosen not to tell us. Some questions God has chosen not to answer. Some things maybe we wouldn't even understand if he did tell us. Like, God, I don't understand how you could have existed from eternity past. Never had a beginning. Maybe God would answer that one, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't understand it. Some things we probably wouldn't handle well if he told us. I suspect we would, most of us, not do well if God told us the day and the manner of our death. Some things God has chosen not to reveal because they're none of our business. A young man was deeply troubled by his parents' unexpected divorce. He couldn't stop asking unanswerable questions. He was in torment. And a wise counselor could see that this young man was trapped in the prison of why. Banging his head against the bars. And so the counselor said, listen to me. The why is none of your concern. This is not your burden to fix or figure out. You are not responsible for your parents' relationship or their reputation. Those are in God's hands. When it comes to God's will, the sooner you can get out of the conjecture business, the better. Some things we will know when God decides it's time for us to know like the time of Christ's return. <laughs> Jesus said that nobody, not even he, knows when that day will come. God has chosen not to reveal that. Maybe because he knows that if he did, the church would get lazy until the last few months. <laughs> but someday, that secret thing will be a revealed thing. Everybody Christian and non-Christian alike, will know that Christ has come again. It won't be secret anymore. Uh, but then there may be some things that we will never have an answer to. Even after we have been in heaven for a million years and learned an awful lot more than we know now, we will not be omniscient. Only God is omniscient. Some things, maybe most of the secret things, those things that God has not revealed more clearly, involve the mysterious interaction of an infinite God with finite human beings. The context of Deuteronomy 29.29 has Moses exhorting the people to trust and obey God as if this is a real possibility, even though he also 
says he knows they won't do it. God will have to chasten them severely, send them into exile. And so the nation that was supposed to be a model of the benefits of true religion in the world will instead become an object of scorn by neighbor nations who witness Israel's demise. How do you you explain this? How does this advance God's cause in the world? And can Moses' pessimistic prediction be averted? Or will it inevitably play out the way he says? And how much disobedience before God brings judgment? And how much repentance, how widespread must the repentance be before God restores the fortunes of his people? And how can God say in Deuteronomy chapter 10, circumcise your hearts, and in chapter 30, only God can circumcise your hearts? Which is it? And which is it today? No one can come to the Father unless God draws him, And whosoever will may come. Bit of a mystery, wouldn't you say? And so one perceptive theologian writes, theology is best understood as a mystery discerning enterprise rather than a problem solving one. To solve a problem is to make all our puzzles go away which is not what we ought to expect as a matter of course in theology. But we can hope to succeed in knowing more precisely and clearly what the mystery is. And this can be an important gain. That's pretty dense. Let me say it again, paraphrase it a little bit. Theology, trying to understand what God has told us about himself and his ways in the world is not a problem-solving enterprise by which we can make all the puzzles disappear. Theology is, and we ought to be content with this, more a matter of clearly understanding what the mystery is. I've started studying for my December sermon series on the second advent. One book I read was entitled Four Views on Heaven. Four contributors debate about the nature of heaven. And I think that the contributors wisely qualify many of their statements with words like it seems, probably, most likely, perhaps, and one of them writes, we are on something of a need-to-know basis. I like that. A need-to-know basis. It's as if that writer had grasped both parts of Deuteronomy 29.29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us. 
God has not told us everything we might like to know, but he has told us everything that we need to know. Whether the subject is what is heaven like, or predestination and free will, or why bad things happen to good people, we're on a need-to-know basis. What do we need to know? The revealed things. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And hundreds of other things that we need to know. The things revealed. The things revealed are for us and a concern never very far away in Deuteronomy for our children as well. One mom was able to wisely answer a tough question from her Down syndrome daughter because I think mom respected the difference between the secret things and the things revealed. One evening at the dinner table, out of the blue, this young lady said, Mama, will I have Down syndrome in heaven? And mom's gut reaction was to want to say, no, honey, of course not. <laughs> but realized that to say that would communicate to this little girl that you're defective now. Someday you'll be okay, worthy, lovable. So mom said, honey, I think that when we get to heaven, we will all of us be exactly what God wants us to be. Some things God has not explained to us, but some things he has revealed. And by the way, I know I said this earlier, I don't think that when we get to heaven, all of our questions will be answered. Many, maybe. Most, perhaps. But I wouldn't be a bit surprised if after we've been there for a while, some of us might come to our Father and say, God, I have always wanted to ask you this. Why did you, or why did you not, You can probably fill in the blank. Whether you have a folder or not, you have a Deuteronomy 29, 29 file. God, how come? Why? And our Father will smile and say, you're going to have to trust me on that. And we will smile right back and do what is sometimes really hard to do now. Trust him on that. Leave with him the secret things and embrace for ourselves and for our children the revealed things. You may not know the specific reason that you are suffering as you are suffering. That's something God hasn't revealed. But you know 
that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's a revealed thing, Romans chapter 8. You may not know the day or the manner of your death. That's a secret thing. But you do know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you do know that to die is gain. Revealed things. 2 Corinthians 5 and Philippians 1. You may not know how your children will turn out or how they'll survive in this increasingly dark world, but you do know that your heavenly Father cares more for them than you do, and he will never leave them or forsake them. You may not know what the future holds, but you know who holds the future. And you know he holds your hand. Remember that young man troubled by his parents' divorce, the good counsel that he got. I'll read that last line again. When it comes to God's will, the sooner you get out of the conjecture business, the better. Leave in God's hands the secret things. But the counselor went on to say, painful as it is, this situation gives you an opportunity to show your parents grace to love them in their brokenness in a new way, which is precisely what Jesus has done for you and continues to do for you. It's one of the revealed things. One preacher titled his study of this text, Act on what you know and leave the rest to God. Act on what you know and leave the rest to God. I think David would like that. David, the man of action, type A personality, man's man, warrior, poet, king of Israel, the model of good kingship for all of his descendants, learned to leave in God's hands what belongs in God's hands. And he wrote in the psalm with which we began our worship today, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But like a child, I trust my father. I do not concern myself with great matters were things too wonderful for me. Mysterious things, baffling things. God's secret things did not drive David to despair. <laughs> it's almost as if David had memorized Deuteronomy 29.29 when he was in Awana. Let's pray. Father, many of us can smile at children's questions for you, but lose sleep, develop ulcers, and sometimes even walk away from the Christian faith because of the questions that trouble us. Give us this grace 
that we might practice Deuteronomy 29, 29 and trustingly, hopefully, happily even, leave to you the secret things and be content with living by those things that you have chosen to make plain to us. In Christ's name, for his sake, and truthfully, Lord, for our own sake, we pray this. Amen.